I'm Robert Therrell. I'm Chase Bridges. And we both want to be screenwriters. So listen along as we find out how. Each week we'll outline a new short film. And maybe even write some of our favorites. This is Written By. So, instead of a normal episode this week, we are celebrating the release of our new short film, Single with Fangs, by giving y'all a behind-the-scenes look on how we made it. Now, if you haven't seen the short film, go watch it now. There's a link in the description. Also in the description are links to some things we talk about, like the previous video, storyboards, and some tutorials I used while making this. So check those out, and here's the behind the scenes of Single with Fangs. You know, the, the inspiration for this film, I think, really came from uh, necessity rather than a creative place. You know, me and Robert, uh, we wanted to write a short film. Uh, I think oftentimes people have an idea and they're like, oh, I should make this a short film. But I remember that night uh, I was just sitting in my Jeep in the middle of the night on the phone with Robert and we were like, what ideas do we have? So we both really wanted to write a short film together and we were just kind of thinking and we spent like an hour on the phone just like talking about things that were going on in our lives, like what movies we were watching, what kind of things we were into, just trying to think of something we could do. He was pitching stuff, I was pitching stuff because I said, Robert, what do you want to direct? And he was like, well, what kind of character do you want to perform? And our answers i think shaped we're like oh we need to do a monster movie it was very much like uh we aren't gonna wait for inspiration neither of us are feeling like particularly inspired at the moment we just really want to do something and we're just gonna put in the work until something comes out we fleshed out the whole outline that night on the phone which was very similar to to the written by podcast this thing was definitely a precursor to the podcast we do now because we wrote the whole thing in just a little over an hour over the phone and the next thing i know uh robert has a draft sent to me and we just start fixing it up from there we got it knocked out pretty quickly what what really drew me to it was it's just it's a very physical visual action comedy we tried to communicate some feelings of like loneliness and desperation in it but really it's just it's just a lot of jokes told physically told through shots instead of dialogue and that was a, the type of project i really wanted to do at the time there is two of us right and so when we write you you hear a lot of our um process on written by of how we come up with ideas but when it comes to actually writing we've done a few different things to to try to get the best result i think whenever i work with chase like as a team my strengths are probably more so in scene description and the prose of it all and keeping word economy and the pages real tight. And I think Chase is really strong with dialogue. Like I always send him something and he always makes a few changes to the lines and they're, they're always better. We've written before where he writes a scene, I write the next scene, et cetera, et cetera, until we have a screenplay done. And then, you know, we give each other notes on the scenes and such. But I think Single with Fangs, the way that that worked is... We developed the idea, we kind of outlined it together. He wrote the first draft, and then I looked over like just little things like dialogue and stuff, and then I, I think I made some changes right there in the document. And I think we just went back and forth like that for a little bit. From the day we like conceived the idea, we knew that we wanted to start off with that classic vampire monster movie feel. But of course, we would have our own twist to it. The vampire story has been told a million times. 
So we really enjoyed just the the thought of in a vampire movie, you never see someone turning into a vampire in a comedic way. Like it's always like, oh, it's a gruesome like transformation. But we were like, well, what if you had to go to a date and you're in the middle of transforming into a vampire? And so that was kind of our inspiration when writing it. Like a big inspiration for the look of it was I basically, I watched a lot of like really old black and white monster movies. There's a movie I watched in a film class in high school called The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which I love. It's a very old school German expressionist film. It's kind of the groundwork for a lot of what Tim Burton's movies look like. And I knew that like we couldn't afford all the big sets and stuff, but I wanted to find little ways to like try to like sneak that style of filmmaking. I also watched a Nosferatu, which is a super old classic vampire movie from like the 30s or something. And I don't know how much the look of those things actually translates into the film we made, but like that's what I was watching before we made it. Hi there, I'm Trevor Coleman. I was the director of photography for Single with Fangs. With this one, it was a interesting blend because it was a very spooky feel, obviously with vampires, but it was also a lighthearted rom-com. And so we had two like polar opposites when it came to how we could stylize this. You know, we could go to the traditional rom-com where everything is, you know, uplifted with lighting. So it's very bright and cheery and kind of like that romantic feel. But on the other hand, we could have taken it in a complete opposite direction where it's very grungy and dark and kind of spooky. Going back and forth, like trying to find a happy uh, medium between the two. One, some, like some of the inspirations I was looking at, you know, it was like what we do in the shadows. It was like, how do other filmmakers take this concept of vampires and put a comedic spin on it, you know, playing off of tropes with, you know, visual gags or lighting gags. The, the romantic scenes later on, it's like, we can have a shift where we go from very spooky in the beginning to a little more romantic uh, during, like after the dinner scene and stuff like that. I'm the kind of director that loves to storyboard and when you're doing storyboards you have to go into it knowing that all the things you board aren't necessarily going to get shot but I think it's great to like do storyboards anyway even if they don't get shot because it means that you put a lot of work into creating each board and so even if every shot doesn't make it to the final thing like you know the intention behind each shot. How I like to storyboard is I used to draw and stuff, but I'm not a great artist. And I found that what works for me is I storyboard with Legos, which means if I know what location we're shooting at is I'll look at all the pictures of the Airbnb and then try to like create a set that is roughly to scale to what's going to be in the Airbnb. And then I could just put the people in it and then take my phone camera and you pretty much can see like the rough framing of what it's going to be shooting in that environment. Storyboards are so helpful because both the director and the director of photography can look at this image and go, yeah, this would be a nice beat right here. And then for this moment, we'll go to this shot. So like, we'll make sure we get this moment on the wide or we'll definitely focus on punching into Chase on this line right here. So like, we'll definitely like put an emphasis on capturing his moment with this shot and stuff like that. I would just take pictures of Lego people in this little set I built and that that's how it would show the DP like what we were trying to get and of course on a set like this we didn't get to all the shots but since I had spent so much time lining up and creating this thing 
I knew like what the shot had to communicate. And so on the fly, you could think of, okay, well, what's a different shot that's going to communicate all these same things? One of the first things that we had to decide was who was going to play the co-star. We discussed a few people. We kind of talked about what it was we were looking for. And I was like, well, I, I know a few people that I think fit this. We took in several self-tapes. She just had a unique take on the character than everyone else. That That's one of the best things in an actor is if they're presented with a script, just making a bold choice, where even if it's not the right choice, like just the fact that they would make it and they would try to approach a script differently. I think that just shows that they they have something that's a cut above everyone else because I've taken acting classes. I'm not an actor at all, but like I know how risky it is and like you're risky and like a major embarrassment, like the bigger your choice is. So if you find someone that's comfortable with doing that, I think that's how you know that you have a good actor. Hi, I'm Lois. I was the co-star on Single with Bangs. I took probably 30 takes because <laughs> I I would like mess up every other line and be like, okay, we have to redo the whole thing. But I mean, it's a lot of fun once you get the jitters out the first couple times. Like, it's just fun to experiment with different ways and just kind of like delivering it that way. You find like the one you really want. I've been told that I am a very natural actor. Really, my person, uh, Lois, is a very awkward, anxious person. So I just am myself in the character, in like every character I do. And so it just seems very genuine, like just connecting to the character, being yourself. Usually that kind of stands out on its own because you can see that connection, that emotional connection with the character. I was very grateful to have Lois on set that day because she was my friend. You know, like we had spent a lot of time together before that. And so it makes you a lot more comfortable when, you, when you're sitting there and you've got peas on your head and, and rice covering my hands and my socks. And, and you have to like give this like profound like love dialogue about how much you care for them. And that's hard when it's a stranger. So having my buddy there made that a lot easier because you don't have to feel like self-conscious. It was really cool. I was really excited to be able to work on this project on an actual like film set, but it was definitely an adjustment. <laughs> the cool thing that we've always done is we do like a previs, we do like a rehearsal, which is just uh, one night we go to a like um, usually a stage and we just kind of we block out the film shot by shot. Uh, but without all the fancy stuff. We just do it with, you know, like Robert's camera. Ow! Oh, ah, hot. Hot, hot, uh, you. You're so hot that it was hard to hug you. <laughs> um. Shooting previs is something I started a few films ago. It's just very helpful to essentially shoot the film before you shoot the film. It, it gives you a lot more freedom to play around with bigger, bolder choices when you aren't on a time crunch, and you really get to see how the film edits together. The steaks are so burnt, it's like they're made of wood. What is steak? Acting-wise, it's super helpful because rehearsals, like in theater, you have several rehearsals to work on your character and to develop what it is you want to do uh, in film you don't always have those rehearsals and so to even just have that one day for a few hours where you were 
you're performing as the character. That's where you that's where you can come up with things that you wouldn't have thought of when you're just reading the script in your room. That helped a lot knowing how we were going to be moving through the day in terms of like where camera was going to be. It helped bridge the gap between me having an idea in my head and then communicating it to you. It just eliminates all that confusion and that room for misinterpretation. Kind of stole it a little from Pixar because I was listening to an interview with someone that works at Pixar and the interviewer is like, yeah, these Pixar films are so great. How do you do it? And he's like, well, basically every Pixar production, it goes through like six stages where there are like storyboards with dialogue edited together and then a pre-visualization and then a film that's like not complete with all the textures and stuff. And the entirety of Pixar watches these screenings and gives notes. And basically what he said was, yeah, I think if you make any movie six times, it's going to end up good. And so that's why I love shooting previs to the extent that I do, where I shoot it and then edit it and even add some music and sound effects. Because the more times you make the movie, the more times you could do it better. And it also, it gives the actors a lot of freedom to know what works going into the shoot. I had fun last night. Um, it, <clears throat> yeah, me, me too. Uh, <laughs> after all the uh, uh, chaos. <laughs> How I prepare for a role before I go on set. Learning the lines, first of all, is the most basic, but I just kind of take time to learn the lines backwards and forwards get time to like connect with the character really so I know her and then everything else is just natural everything else is just reacting to my scene partner and just taking it all in and responding very truthfully on every production if if you're interested in making films you gotta be prepared for things to go wrong and yeah there were just there were a lot of like little things that started building up like right before we shot this thing where Our dream location, which I had designed all the storyboards in mind for having, it was an Airbnb and it ended up getting booked like the day I was going to book it. Uh, We had a hard time finding a makeup person because the people we usually go to were all busy on the date we landed on. Luckily, we had a person that Trevor knew. So we ended up with Alyssa and she ended up being really great she's someone with a lot of production experience so not only could she do makeup but she could help out on set walking on set the day of um i didn't know any of the crew the only person i knew that was in there was robert at first and everyone's working really hard like they're setting up cameras and 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 just like all light lights and stuff and i'm just kind of standing there awkwardly and i'm like oh man this this is weird because now I have to, I have to, you know, when you're acting, you're, you know, sometimes you're embarrassing yourself in front of everyone in the room. And for a second, I was like, man, these, like, oh man, this is, this is weird. And, and then Lois showed up who, who plays uh, the love interest in the film. She shows up and we start joking around and I start feeling more comfortable. And then JP shows up who plays the vampire that bites me in the bathroom mirror. And then me and Robert are, are discussing some things with the script right before. And it's like right about time to start filming. And everybody just kind of like felt relaxed. And it was it was really fun. Like everybody started joking around, which is definitely an environment that I thrive in. Hello. <laughs> Am I just on video, basically? Yeah. Is this live? Or yeah, is this... Man. 
You, I know you don't know a lot about video and how video works. So I actually don't. I don't know anything about video. So actually. there's this thing called a camera. Okay. <laughs> Once I saw like the location stuff, I started figuring out like how can we light it in a way to make both of those happy. And you know. I'll, you can always have a plan going into the day, but then once you actually see the location in person, you can suddenly be like, oh, this would actually work better if we do it this way. And so one thing I've learned is have a plan when you go in, but be ready to make a quick change based on the location because sometimes it'll benefit your project a lot more once you see the location in person, get a feel of like the ambience of the space. We had a huge time crunch on this film where basically it got to a point after a few scenes where I was looking at my DP and we just both knew that we were not going to get all the shots that were on the shot list and if we were going to get this thing done in time we had to cut a bunch of stuff and there's a there's this classic David Fincher quote that's like quoted a lot where he says that directing is when you have five shots but the sun is going down and you're only going to get two what are you going to do? <laughs> I think the biggest challenge was honestly like the amount of people that we had between like myself, Brandon and Faith really, it was like a three man crew for the lighting team. And as a lot of people know, lighting is what takes the longest on a set. And so we had a lot of setups that we had to do and we had to move very, very quickly. So pretty much the whole dinner scene got completely switched around as far as the shot list goes. We originally had a lot more things and a lot more camera movement, but all those setups just weren't going to happen. One important thing to be thinking about whenever you're preparing for a film is each time you move the camera. And it might seem so simple, like, oh, the camera's over here and we're just going to move it a few feet over here. But when you move the camera, all the lighting changes and everything has to be relit and for it to look good, that takes time. I think the most important thing is when all like when you're in a time crunch it's it's getting coverage you you have to think about the editor when you're filming stuff like that because they're the ones that are, you're handing all these puzzle pieces to that are all jumbled up in a box and saying all right you got to put it together now so it helps tremendously when dps push for getting enough coverage that way the editor has enough to work with and to move around with because if you give them just a master shot and that's it for the scene there's really nothing he can do like there's no cutaways to take different takes and splice them together the shot where chase and lois are hugging and the cross necklace burns him that was originally supposed to be a wide shot and a shot reverse shot of chase and lois and their reactions and that's one part i'm still very disappointed that we weren't able to get just because looking at the previs, it does help sell the comedy to see a tighter shot of their reactions, but we just weren't going to get it in time, and so that's one of those compromises that had to be made in order to get other parts of the film right. When we were filming uh, single with things, like near the end, it was like, what are like the most basic things that we need just to give you enough coverage? It's mainly just like evaluating with the director, being, you know, asking like, what do you think is more important? Do you want to get this on the master or do you want to just stay on this you know close up like do you think we can just do the master and get away with it i just had to go in and cut half the shots and rearrange things so we got the same performance and got everything we could tell what was going on but in just like half the time because we, we we went in with a very specific vision where we wanted it to be very stylized and very visual 
and it was just a game of like figuring out how we could still preserve that but like what could stay and what has to go in order to get the thing done oh man the most challenging part of the whole thing was definitely we're shooting the scene where i'm looking at myself in the mirror and the vampire comes up behind me and bites me in the neck that was so difficult like when you're watching it it's over before you even realize it's started that was so hard i so the bathroom is super tiny it's super super tiny we, we've crammed the camera in there we've got the dp in there we have um jp who plays the vampire he's crouched down in the corner like super uncomfortable because he's like six foot six super tall behind me is Alyssa who did makeup on the set and she's holding like a little like pressure washer machine that's filled with fake blood and she's having to like she can't see she's crouched down all the way on the floor almost so that she's not in the shot she's holding up this little pressure washer handle (laughs) and like trying to like rest it on my shoulder so that it's not seen by the camera but it can still squirt out the blood uh and then uh robert is outside the door with the monitor and oh man and there was a lot of pressure because we didn't have like we didn't need to be spending several several takes on this and so we did like three or four just like rehearsals right there like and and every time there was like a new thing to remember it was like oh by the way make sure you you smudge the cologne on the mirror like that that wasn't in the script right we realized oh we need to make it look like i look i'm looking right at where jp should be in the mirror and i have to remember the line and a lot of that line was improv because me and Robert wanted a little bit more to that line than what was just written. And so I'm trying to remember what I improv the first take whilst remembering to smudge the cologne, remembering to spray the cologne, remembering to look right at where JP is without acknowledging his existence. There's a girl behind me spraying fake blood. It was so much. And, uh, but I think we did a good job. So this set was probably, it was probably the most nerve wracking film I had shot for several reasons partly because it was running so behind and we had to like change and improvise so many things on the spot but this thing going on in the back of my head throughout this whole night was the second scene we had shot was the first scene of the movie where chase gets bitten by the vampire and we had put up all this stuff to make sure that the blood did not get on the walls. It only got on the mirrors where it could be washed off very easily. But during the last take, which is the one we use, some blood like shot upward a little higher than usual. And it managed to get like right in this little sliver between the guard we had put up and the mirror. And there is all this fake blood on the wall above the mirror. And it looked really bad. It looked really bad. And the whole time we're trying to scrub it off. And man, it, it just wasn't going off. And this is this is an Airbnb. This is someone else's house. Now, mind you, the production is fully insured. So 
That, that's why you have insurance. If worse came to worse, we could have filed a claim and gotten it. But that's still, that's a lot of stuff and you don't want to like mess up someone's house. But uh, we had to go out, buy magic erasers. Those weren't even working that great. Uh, we were looking at the person's garage and saw some paint cans. We were seeing if we could paint on the wall, but then the colors didn't line up. We didn't actually paint it, but it ended up, we just always had someone scrubbing while we were shooting. And then even after everyone was sent home, I stayed behind an extra hour and a half until like four in the morning, just scrubbing, scrubbing, and got to a point where the, the Airbnb people didn't notice. They gave, they gave us a great review and they asked if they could see the film and part of me doesn't want to send it because they might take a second look <laughs> above that mirror. <laughs> but yeah, it, it looked clean. It was like scary in some ways being on film for the first time, going out of order because I'm used to stage. Definitely a brand new experience for me, <laughs> but it was kind of relaxing in other ways. Like I could take a break and we, if I mess up, I could do it again. And it's not just like cemented in stone that everyone just watched you screw up on stage. We were there all day, well into the night. And it was a, it was a ton of fun because it got to the point where like everyone's tired and everyone's ready to leave, but we're not going to leave until it's done. And you're kind of delirious. And uh, I'm in this absurd makeup still. <laughs> and... It, yeah, it's just, it's so much fun. Like there's a moment at like one o'clock in the morning when you're shooting a scene and you're, you're having to perform as if you're not exhausted and everyone's just happy to be there because they love being there. What's the deal with uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend? <laughs> my, my girlfriend's boyfriend is a song that I sing all, <laughs> I like working in an environment of like fun, right? I like when everybody's kind of goofing off because that's when you're creatively at your best. And so in order to try to get everybody to loosen up, I just start kind of riffing. And I was like, man, uh, I have an idea for a, a punk rock song. My girlfriend's boyfriend thinks we're just friends. My girlfriend's boyfriend thinks we're just. And and so I started singing that and then that made me laugh. <laughs> I sang it like just those two sentences. I probably sang over a hundred times. <laughs> Chase is just a really great presence on set. He's not one of these actors that's just away in his trailer, not that we have trailers, but just really standoffish, getting ready for his role. He's an active part of the set and he's engaging everyone. These things could be really tough and there's a whole lot of stress and problem solving and and he's just great at relaxing everyone and getting everyone to loosen up and just being being a good hang on set and being able to keep spirits up is just something very valuable. And I, I think that's gonna be something that's gonna take Chase a very long way. I got garlic songs. I gotta rest on my knees and socks on my feet. I smell like garlic now. And my girlfriend's boyfriend thinks. <laughs>
Maybe my biggest challenge was when we had to do the uh, curtain part and I had to scream and I was so scared to scream like like a big scream in front of not just like you and Chase and JP, but all the camera people too, who don't know who I am. <laughs> the big reveal with Lois opening the curtain, I mean, the dramatic light shift, like it, that, that was just a visual gag that I, I remember we were all laughing when we first tried it and seeing just the flood of light coming. It was like, that's what we wanted. It was just, it's, we wanted to punch so much light in that you, she just gets lost in this ocean of uh, sunlight coming in. And I, the first time we uh, recorded it, it was, I remember we were all laughing pretty hard because it was like, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. <laughs> we had um, atmosphere aerosol sprayed in there as well. And so when she opened it for the first time, it was just like the gates of heaven opening up. It was just, it was so funny. It was like, that was so rewarding to see. So I, I don't know about Chase, but one of one of the biggest moments for me that was a little nerve wracking until we got it was I knew the whole film and like the whole tone, it kind of hinged on that last shot because again, with the performance, like if the dude looks like he doesn't care too much, then the audience like isn't on his side as much or like, I don't know, if it ends on a sour note, the, the audience just walks out kind of being like, oh, why did I watch that? I'm not going to share that with any of my friends or whatever. And we tried a bunch of different versions of this in previs in the rehearsal we shot and i thought they were pretty good but still like i wanted to end on one final joke and like we didn't have that yet i think the script just said he watches in horror as she burns alive well we sat there and me and robert just kind of just being like okay well what if we did this well oh, this would be a funny gag and we're just kind of riffing and stuff and then robert was like all right let's just do it and i pretty much just kind of improv in this closet for minutes at a time basically i just rolled those takes for several minutes just to see like what he put out there maybe part of me was hoping that like if i exhausted him enough he'd like stop doing what his first instinct was and just pull something new out but he he, he did a bunch of different things where he was pulling out the pillow and shielding it he was looking around seeing if there was a way out but then finally he did one thing where he just looked over at lois and he mouthed i love you and it was so like <laughs> you felt so sorry for him when he did that and i feel like it it worked with the theme of the film nicely and that's how i knew that like we had an ending that was gonna work i'm i'm in makeup that makes me look sickly uh you you have jp in a robe and, and he's completely like full-on vampired up and 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 everybody was joking around and having a good time so you know the environment was fun but also just the what I got to do as that character was tons of fun. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm playing with rice and the rice is sticky and all over my hands and I'm, I'm slipping on toast and, and, and I'm, I'm in a closet and I'm, and I'm trying to come up with as many like funny things to do in this little closet. And it was just a ton of fun. Um, which is, you know, I, I don't know really how to explain it other than it's just like, I want to be an actor cause I love to act. And so I had a ton of fun because I was acting all day. Well, I feel like I learned so much from this project <laughs> and just being able to do film for the first time. So I feel like I'm going to take away a lot of it into my next project, whatever it may be. I love storytelling. And, you know, that's like the biggest thing that director of photography 
should be providing is storytelling with visuals and visual cues and stuff like that. You know, you can always have pretty looking images and stuff like that, but if there's no like substance for the story, it's it's just noise at that point. And so the biggest thing that I'm learning, you know, as new to the scene as a DP is learning visual storytelling how do you light for the story itself, for the characters, for the moment? When you're moved by an image, it's pretty awesome. And it's like, I want to contribute to like the world by making stuff like that, where I'm moving people through visuals. When, when we finally wrapped, I think everyone was really ready to go home. <laughs> but I think everybody was very excited. Like, there wasn't any time during the day where it was like, oh, this doesn't look cool or this doesn't feel cool. Like by the end of the day, I was just like, I was super pumped because I was like, oh, this was awesome. Like today was a great day. Like the shot of, of Lois opening the curtains. I remember watching that on the monitor and just being like, oh, this is this is going to be amazing. Now, is it amazing? I don't know. That's up for you to decide. That would be arrogant of me to say it's amazing. <laughs> Man, so... When we ended the uh, the shooting on set, we were all just so excited and relieved that it was done, and it felt like we had done this big thing. Then you go home, and then you realize, oh wait, I got like months more work to do on this thing. <laughs> Part of the life as an indie filmmaker is you kind of have to learn how to do a little bit of everything and as you create more things and your profile rises you start to meet people that can help you out but you always have to have the attitude that this thing is going to get done and if i can't find anyone else that's going to do it i just have to learn to do it myself that's something i took a lot from uh watching david f sandberg's youtube channel he goes into a lot of detail on all the shorts and features and even like on a studio feature that had like a five million dollar budget this man is still animating his own opening credits sequence like there isn't a vfx artist that's hired for that opening sequence he's doing it himself post-production so the steps of post-production are editing then you're gonna edit your audio then you're gonna do a color grade if anything needs to be dubbed over you're gonna do adr which is replacing dialogue then you're gonna do your graphics all your like credits and titles and everything and then if you have any visual effects which this film did you got those too and probably the biggest thing i had to learn how to do for this film was editing audio was sound design editing I think one of the biggest things I learned on this project is just how much you can do with really creative editing. So since I had like meticulously storyboarded and done previs on this, I kind of knew where all the cuts needed to be as far as what was planned to be shot, since what actually got shot was a little different. Editing also had to change. One thing that really shows what creative editing could do is the scene where Chase is trying to eat the bread. We had to cut an insert of the garlic bread because we didn't have time for it. And when I got into the editing room, I realized I still wanted a shot of the bread just so we could get a good look at it. And we didn't really have it. But what we did have was in between two takes of the close-up of Chase, the camera tilts down 
and tries to set focus on Chase's hand and the bread is in that shot and it's there for just a few frames. And so I literally took this little sliver, I put it in super slow motion just to extend it a few more frames and I don't think anyone really would notice unless you're looking for it. Like that shot looks like it was meant to be in the film from the beginning, but really it's just a moment in between two takes where we're setting focus, and that's where I grabbed it from. Sound design. Audio really is 50% of your film, and a lot of people don't realize that a mic, it could pick up a voice, or it can maybe pick up one sound, but there is a whole lot of ambient sound that it might not be catching that you feel when it's not there. Just imagine that you're sitting in a coffee shop and there are sounds of people clacking away on their keyboards, there are sounds of coffee pouring, there's some light chatter going on over here, there's a slightly louder person over to on the other direction, and footsteps of people shuffling around, maybe people got papers, like there, there are so many sounds and sound design is essentially starting with silence and building all those things from scratch. Just as an example, here, here is one scene from the film with just the audio that was captured on set. And after that, we'll play the final audio with all the sound design. Hey, Sophie, you look beautiful today. Not that you don't always look beautiful. It's just you look even more beautiful, if that's even... <laughs> Hey Sophie, you look beautiful today. Not that you don't always look beautiful. It's just you look even more beautiful if that's even So you see what a huge difference that makes and that was probably the biggest learning curve for me and even the most time consuming part of making this film was just adding in all those little effects and editing the written by podcast actually gave me a lot of experience because I added a little like audio drama style reading of our scripts like every week that actually like gave me a lot of insight gave me a lot of practice so when it came time to do a bigger project I wasn't going into it completely inexperienced. So another big part of sound design is ADR that stands for automated dialogue replacement and that's when some of the audio you got on set just isn't good enough it's not working for whatever reason and you gotta you gotta do it in a studio it's also called dubbing you go in after the filming sometimes months after the filming and you have a microphone and you're watching yourself on the screen and you have to just like re-say the lines that you said that day because you know whether it was like uh, it was too quiet or there's a bag of peas that <laughs> that was too loud we had several lines in this film that were dubbed and probably the main one the one that was most infuriating was the first shot when chase wakes up on the couch lois puts a bag of peas bag of frozen peas on his head and for whatever reason that bag of peas was crinkling so freaking loud and it just overpowered everything else that was going on in that scene so because of that one bag of peas i had to take out all the audio i had to have chase and lois come in 
dub their lines, try to get it sounding exactly right, and then I had to add in sounds of Chase shuffling on the couch, and then I had to add my own frozen pee bag crinkles, but uh, just a little bit softer this time, <laughs> and just a, just a lot of work because of some noisy peas. But that's a, that's the type of situation you run into where you would need ADR. VFX. The next step was VFX, which you might not think it, but there actually were a, quite a few visual effects shots in this film. The most obvious one is when Chase is trying to go through the doorway, but there's a little force field. I made that in After Effects. Took me forever to figure out how to do it. If you're into After Effects, it's just fractal noise on a displacement map. <laughs> and then the shots that are less obvious are whenever Chase and Lois are about to kiss. If you look at the close-up of Lois as she's leaning in, the window over her left shoulder Actually, the one of the lights was in the reflection, and you could see it very clearly that, like, this is a square film light that is shining right into this window, and it's there for all of us to see. And so what I had to do was I had to take it out and took it into Photoshop, used some material from the other window, and created a mask, and then I had to hand animate that mask to track onto the window because it was so blurry I couldn't get a good tracking point in After Effects but yeah you're I'm not even like that great of a masker but you're really helped out by the fact that no one's going into the short being like huh I'll, I bet that window isn't real and hopefully you're invested enough in the moment for the characters that you aren't even like looking for something like that anyway but yeah there are two shots with a completely fake window in the background Graphics. So basically, we couldn't really find a graphic designer that wasn't busy, and we kind of spent a lot of money, couldn't afford a good one, so ended up doing the graphics myself. That was the title card and the credits. I put everything into After Effects, and really what I was going for it was I wanted it to be our own, like, modernized spin on the classic black and white horror movies. Again, I was looking at Nosferatu, I was looking at the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, just anything from like the 30s. So I thought a fun way to put our own twist on it was to make the classic title card 3D and have like a pushing in or a side to side motion and you could see that everything was existing in 3D space. But yeah, just through a lot of After Effects tutorials and some elements I got from Envato Elements and a font from Adobe Fonts, I was able to put something together that I'm kind of proud of. Music. This was one of the most exciting things for me, was this is the first short film I've done where I've had a composer compose music for it. I've been friends with Mason Bain, our composer, for years, and finally it worked out to where he could score one of my films. I don't know. I, th I think the first time I wrote music for it was when you pitched it to me. You just gave me like a, a the elevator pitch of like, vampire gets bitten before a date, and he goes on the date anyway. And I was like, that's funny. So I started being like, you know, let's go very uh, Transylvanian, way too big of an organ in a cathedral kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, it's just been kind of sitting for a while uh, in my head. Writing time, I sat down and within like three hours. Mason's so talented, you don't really have to give him a lot of direction. 
I had temp tracks in the edit before, but I basically told him that those are just the vague general mood of what needs to go there, but everything up to the pacing, what instruments you want to use, everything is up to the discretion of the composer. So I told Mason that, and I'm really excited with what he came up with. Um, I mean, I just ripped off a lot of Bach in it. Like, so much of it was just, like, deep in the, the memories of, you know, college music and everything. But, I mean, it, it, it was fitting for the that kind of world of big, bombastic, giant organ. I, I wanted to go um, traditional, kind of classical world with the music, so I kind of try to push everything to be in that realm, except for the distorted electric guitar. That's, that's a little bit out of era. We wanted to present this thing as a mashup between kind of a rom-com and a comedy, but also this horror vampire movie. And so we used the music to really hone in on the horror element. So we went really classic Transylvanian with it. One part that I think is hilarious, but fitting is title intro, you know, so it's, it builds up, you know, mysterious, um, cause I actually wrote, so I wrote the, the intro last for some reason, but the, when the organ hits in the beginning, you're just like, okay, this really pushes you into the world of, uh, now, now he's a vampire. I just, I wanted this to go well. So did I them sitting on the couch and so that was kind of like a, a nice wholesome moment and so kind of the violin just became her theme or a, a, sort of connected with her character and so at the end it felt fitting to to have a little bit of that conflicting with the uh the the, the vampire kind of motif So yeah, after all that, the film's finally done, and it feels so good to have it out there. Yeah, this whole thing, it was very difficult process at times, but honestly, very educational. Like, I feel like I learned more from doing this film than probably any other project I've done in the last five years, and yeah, it's just a lot of work, you know? Maybe sometimes filmmaking is glamorous and you're like with movie stars or you're in your trailer or you're going to big Oscar parties. But, you know, other times filmmaking is staying up till 5.30 a.m., staying on set long after everyone else has left and scrubbing fake blood off a bathroom wall, which I just want to stress, it did come off eventually. There's there's no more blood on that wall, but it... It took a lot of work, and that's a that's what filmmaking is sometimes. I learned a ton. Like, I, I, there's not just one thing that I can talk about that I learned because I, I genuinely did learn a ton, not only about you know acting, but being on a set, you know, interacting with a crew. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway was just uh, how talented and hardworking Robert was throughout the whole thing. I mean, I my job was very minuscule. Uh, <laughs> compared to, to how much work Robert's put into it. Like, uh, we wrote it, and then he took care of all preparation and making sure everything was set up, you know, the Airbnb producing it, I mean, you know, financially. And then we shoot, we're there all day. Robert stays after we're all gone <laughs> and then proceeds to edit for, like, months and months at a time, making sure it's perfect, you know, handling all of the, you know, getting 
someone to score it, trying to find a graphic designer. That's probably the biggest takeaway. Robert works extremely hard. And until the second it was released, Robert was working on that. (laughs) Working with Chase on this was great. I just think he's so talented as an actor and as a writer getting to like, we had written a lot of stuff together, but getting to actually make something and go beyond the scripting phase into pre-production, production, post-production, and having him there that whole way. It was just a really great experience. I think the thing that's like, that made me really excited to make it in the first place, but also makes me excited for people to see is, you know, this is the first thing that Robert and myself have really like professionally done. Like this is, you know, we're still learning. So I wouldn't say that this is us at our best. You know, this is us at our beginning, but I think it's really important to me and special to me for this to go out and for us to have made this and be like, look, we are taking steps towards doing what we want to do. Like this is this is our best right now. And we've learned already so much from this. And and I can't wait for what's next. So, yeah, Single with Fangs is out now. If you haven't seen it, make sure to go watch it. I don't know why you would have listened to this whole thing if you hadn't seen it already. But, you know, just in case you haven't, go watch it. If you have, go watch it again. That'd be great. Drive up those views. So go check out the new short film, Sing with Fangs. It's out right now. We're all super excited. We had so much fun making it, and we can't wait for you guys to watch.